Great stuff, great stuff. It's always great to celebrate, isn't it? And um, fantastic, well done, George. Brilliant to hear his story. Like I say, it doesn't, exactly as he said, you don't have to kind of, you know, God hears us no matter what, doesn't it, really? So that's brilliant. So really encouraging. Great to see him taking that step. Okay, just before we kind of look at our passage this morning, I just want to quickly remind you, most, a lot. Of, if you're part of the church here, you've seen I sent out an email at the beginning of last week just saying about the Christmas hampers that we do most years where we try to bless people in our community, people we're connected with and serving with in different ways. We like to try and bless them with a hamper at Christmas just to um, kind of encourage them and hopefully, hopefully help them to have an enjoyable Christmas as well. We need, if you're we need basically people, if you want to donate financially towards that and say, I would like to give a gift into that so we can kind of buy the stuff in order to bless. This week really is a window of opportunity to do that if you can, because next week is when we need to be buying the stuff and putting it all together. Because like it or not, Christmas is very, very soon. So um, if you're planning to give to that, please do this. So this week, um, you can drop some sort of checks, whatever, into the depot, or you can do a bank transfer to the church and just put in kind of hampers in the, retro- in the reference so we know what it's for. Uh, please be generous so that we can be as generous as we can be um, to our community and people around us um, that are in need this Christmas. So please, um, if you could do that this week, that would be absolutely marvellous. Okay, so my first question is, has anyone had any good news this week? Anyone had any good news this week? Megan, what was your good news this week? You, yeah. She passed the piano exam this week. Well done. Very well done. Anyone else had any good news this week? Dan, what's your good news? The carpet got fitted in the bedroom. There you go. That's good news. <laughs> Jody said so. Okay. Anyone else had any good news this week? Any of the kids had any good news this week? No? Just a bit of a dull week, has it? Anyone? Hey! Well done, Sarah. You know... We celebrate all things, don't we? That's right. Was that you or Josh? Okay, yeah, that's fine. That's good. So, yeah, I feel like I need to move on quick. Uh, but, you know, we celebrate all things together, don't we? That's great. We're going to look today at some good news, some kind of different good news uh, that really changed someone's life in the Bible this morning. So we're going to look in the book of Acts, um, Acts chapter 8. And we're going to talk at the story, the kind of main character of our story today is a guy called Philip. Now, uh, Philip was one of the first disciples that Jesus called back at the beginning when Jesus kind of, when he was about 30, when he sort of went public and he started doing his teaching and kind of going out and doing miracles leading up to his death and his resurrection. Um, Philip was one of the first disciples that Jesus called. He called 12 men among, there's loads of men and women that followed Jesus everywhere, but Philip was one of those 12 disciples. And he spent all of that time that Jesus was on earth doing those miracles. That three years, Philip was with him all the time. He saw everything that happened, all the miracles, all the teaching. He was there at his death and his resurrection as well. And after, um, Jesus had returned back up to heaven, Philip was one of those people that we call an apostle. So he then went out preaching about Jesus and seeing miracles taking place. He went out and did the stuff after Jesus went back to heaven. So Philip is the main character in our story this morning. So if you've got a Bible, it's Acts chapter 8 and it's verses 26 uh, through to 40 we're going to read. So the first bit, the words will come up on the screen if you haven't got a Bible with you. He says this, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise, go towards the south onto the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. 
and he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candice, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a lamb he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? So here we have in our story, we've got Philip, who's this apostle, the guy who was with Jesus, he had first-hand experience of life around Jesus. And, and God tells him, the Holy Spirit tells him to go and find this guy, this Ethiopian official who's in this chariot. Now, the Ethiopian official, he was a treasurer for the queen of Ethiopia, so he's pretty important. He was kind of the equivalent probably to like Rishi Sunak or someone like that of our day today. And this guy had been up to Jerusalem to worship. So we kind of work out from that that this Ethiopian, this African official, had obviously converted to Judaism at some point in his life and was worshipping the God of the Jews. So he'd gone up to Jerusalem to worship. Um, they reckon it took about five months travel. Uh, so five months from Ethiopia up to Jerusalem and he was on his way back. That's quite a 10 months of traveling to worship. You know, some of you have moaned coming here from kind of North Lowestoft this morning. Okay. And think, oh, there's the bridge. There's this. So it takes so long. Try turn five months to go up to worship and then five months home. That's commitment. That is. Um, so he was traveling home and he was reading from Isaiah in the Old Testament, but he didn't understand it. He was reading these words and didn't understand it. Have you ever felt like that when you read the Bible? Yeah? They don't feel like that sometimes. You read the Bible and you think, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, but I don't understand it. You know, and everyone else is around you in the Bible study going, oh, yeah, it's amazing. It's deep. And you're going, I've got no idea what they're saying. But yeah, I'm not as well and say, oh, yeah, God's really speaking to me today. And you think, I've got no clue what he's saying. But it's, you know, it's someone does. So that's good. Sometimes I think it's encouraging in the Bible that we hear these characters and they didn't get things either encourages us doesn't it if you don't if you read the bible sometimes and don't understand it then you should be encouraged because you're not the only one there's these people in the bible that are reading it and didn't get it either but the story never finishes there does he god always shows us something from his word let's pick up the story again in verse 35 it says then philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture the one that the the uh, ethiopian official had been reading he told him the good news about jesus And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when he came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus and he passed through and he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So at the beginning of that passage there, that, that section there is where it all changes. Verse 35 is where this whole story changes. Everything moves in that moment. 
Because Philip explains to the Ethiopian that actually the bit from Isaiah that he's reading actually is all about Jesus. He says it's not about Isaiah himself. He's not saying like, you know, Isaiah wasn't talking about, you know, how he was like a lamb was going to be slaughtered. Actually, what Isaiah was saying hundreds of years ago, he was writing about Jesus who was to come. And kind of Philip must have said to him, it helped him to understand that actually all of the Bible is centered on Jesus. The whole thing makes sense when you realize that it's pointing towards Jesus or his first coming. And then later on in the Bible, it actually points to Jesus, his second coming. The whole Bible makes sense when you realize it's all about Jesus. The whole thing makes sense. There you go. I've explained the Bible to you in one go. Okay, that's what you need to know. It's all about Jesus. That's all you need to ever know. If, you sit, if you're sitting in a Bible study one time and you think, I've got no clue what this is saying, all you need to say, if they come around and ask you, what do you think? You know, what do you think, Marjorie? What do you, what do you think it says in there? You say, it's all about Jesus. And that's fine because you're right. It's all about Jesus. Okay, so this is the moment where the light goes on for the Ethiopian official. This kind of really important guy who's travelled for months somewhere and travelled back. This is where the light goes on. Clearly he goes in that point from having some Bible knowledge through to knowing Jesus for himself. He goes from religion to faith. And he goes from spiritual death to spiritual life. All in that moment, in this chariot journey, suddenly his life is entirely changed in that moment. And we know that because the natural response to life change, the natural response to becoming a follower of Jesus is like George has said this morning, is to be baptized, which demonstrates you've repented of your sin, you've received the forgiveness Jesus offers, and you've put your faith in Jesus. So he, he, that was his response. So clearly in that moment, his life had changed forever. But what is this good news of Jesus that they talk about in verse 35. Because that's kind of like just a little a little couple of words there, isn't it? It says, well, Philip explained to him the good news of Jesus, and then this guy's life was entirely changed around. So I wonder what that good news of Jesus, it was that Philip explained to him. Because, I mean, Philip had been with Jesus for those three years when he was you know, on earth. So it can't have just been a collection of Philip's favourite memories of Jesus, could it? You know, he didn't just sit there with a, the equivalent of a slideshow of, you know, have you ever been around someone's house after they've been on a long holiday? And you think, oh, it's lovely. Yeah, well, do you want me to show you the pictures? And you're like, yay! And you spend the next half an hour going through this person's holiday pictures. You think, I'm really lost interest after about the third. But you're going, oh, that's great. You know, I can't imagine that this guy's life was changed by Philip telling him, like the pictures of, the, oh, when we were Jesus talking, we went, and we went to this place and he fed lots of people. And the guy would have been going, yeah, yeah, that's fascinating, really exciting. But that wouldn't have changed his life, would it? That's not enough. It wouldn't have just been memories that Philip told him. That, was, that would have been good news. It would have been interesting news. But it wasn't life-changing good news. You see, life-changing good news comes in different forms depending on what you want, what you're needing at that time. For example, if you're facing a huge bill, massive bill that you just cannot pay, and you're thinking, how on earth do I do this? You know, I'm going to lose, you know, everything. I'm going to lose my house. I just, I'm in so much. And if someone comes along with you to a check, gives you a check and says, that's the amount that covers your bill. That's life-changing good news, isn't it? Because that moment, that's exactly what you needed to change everything in your situation. Or if you've got going through a, 
a horrible health situation. Maybe you've got a condition that is incurable. And then suddenly the doctor tells you there's this new treatment that's come along that actually can cure what you have, which what you've got, which is incurable. That's life-changing good news, isn't it? It what you're, depends what you're looking for is depending on how good, how life-changing the good news really is. So this good news of Jesus, there's clearly something, there's a need there that we have that actually makes it life-changing good news. It can't just be that, oh, Jesus was a great guy. He taught loads of great things. In fact, he did a few miracles. That's not enough to change our lives, is it? There's something more going on here. What if our biggest need in life is something that we're not really aware of? Or we think much about. Yeah, because we sometimes think, what's my biggest need in life? Sometimes it can be to be popular or to be wealthy or to be um, healthy or happy. We can't tend to think sometimes those are our biggest needs, aren't they? But if you're coming to Jesus and think, actually, I'm going to start following this Jesus because I want all those things. I want my life to become a bit easier and to kind of have God on my side. Well, that's got to be a winner, hasn't it? Because he can then suddenly make my life easy. If that's why you're coming to Jesus, and I'm afraid he's not very good news for you. Because Jesus said to, to his disciples, he said that they'll be, we'll be hated by everybody for his name's sake. Okay? That's not an incredibly great reason to follow Jesus. I want to be popular and make my life easy. And he says, oh, actually, you might end up being hated because of me. And actually, later on in the Bible, it says that his followers are called to suffering. Hmm. That's kind of getting, becoming less appealing then, isn't it? If, if your goal, your desire to follow Jesus is to actually have an easier life, then actually you've come to the wrong person. Because, it, yes, he blesses us, but there's no guarantees of any of those things. There must be a bigger need going on that he meets that makes him good news. If we go to Isaiah 53, so the verse before, the one that the Ethiopian was reading out in this passage, it says this. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. I wonder what that means. You know, have you ever seen sheep in, in kind of the fields and stuff like that? Yeah. Are they the most compliant and obedient kind of animals in the world? You've been that? You've seen sheep going everywhere? They just run all over the place, don't they? They, they don't, they all go, they go astray. They, they kind of go off all in their own directions. And what it says in there in the Bible, it means that we as humans are a bit like that sheep. We just kind of run off in lots of different directions, away from God. And that's kind of how we live our lives. We've, we've run away from God. We no longer listen to him. We're no longer kind of in relationship with him. And we just go off and do our own sort of thing all the time. Like these crazy sheep that run around fields with no common sense whatsoever. That's kind of what the Bible sums up humanity like that. Bunch of crazy sheep that just run off in their own direction with no reference to God whatsoever. And you might be thinking, well, that's absolutely quite fine. I'm quite happy living my life like that sheep. I'm quite happy living life my own way. Thank you very much. And that's fine. That's, that's your choice. Every human being has that choice to how are we going to live our life? We're going to live our life like kind of just doing it our way and doing our own thing. But what we have to understand is there's a consequence for going astray, from turning away from God. And, and what the Bible says is that when we live like those sheep, when we kind of run around the field and do our own thing, then actually not only do we live apart from God here on earth, because we've chosen to, we say, I don't want anything to do with this God. I just want to do things my way. That's, that's fine. That's our choice. But also that has a, an effect onto eternity. And it says that if we don't live for God now and in relationship with God now, then we're not going to live with him in relationship 
for the rest of eternity when we die. And that is our greatest need. Okay, It's not our greatest need. It isn't actually to become popular or to have great health or to be wealthy or even to be happy. The greatest need we have, whether we realize it or not, is to be saved from an eternity that's separate from a loving, merciful and all-powerful Father God. That's actually human beings' greatest need. But the trouble is we all get caught up with loads of other things. We think we, we need loads of other stuff, don't we? But actually what we need first and foremost is saving. We need salvation. We need to be saved from a lost eternity. And when we recognise that that's our greatest need, that, when we recognise that's the thing we need more than anything else, that's when you discover that Jesus is really good news. You suddenly realise actually this guy Jesus actually is really good news. Because if your greatest need is to be saved, is to be restored back to relationship with God, then Jesus suddenly becomes the greatest news you'll ever hear. And why is that? Because actually he made it possible. He actually made it possible for us to be reunited back with God, to get forgiveness for our sin and to be part of his family forever. That's what Jesus accomplished in his death and in his resurrection. So when we go back to our story with this Ethiopian official who's on this massive long journey, we realize, realize then that actually in that moment when Philip explained to him the good news of Jesus, clearly at that moment, the Ethiopian suddenly realized, look, hang on, my greatest need is for salvation. My greatest need isn't to, 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 to kind of be better at my job. My greatest need isn't to, to kind of win favor with God. My greatest need is for forgiveness. My greatest need is actually for, for, to, 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 to repent of my sin, to be forgiven for the stuff that's between me and God. And actually, the good news is that Jesus has done that for me. Actually, through his death, if I put my faith in him, now that can be sorted. And in that moment, this good news of Jesus suddenly was life-changing for this Ethiopian. It changed his life forever. He accepted Jesus as his saviour. He, re- he repented and was baptized. So the good news of Jesus is, is a little phrase in there, but actually it's huge, isn't it? It's huge when we realize that it's life changing in that way. So what about us? What's, what's your greatest need this morning? What do you see as your greatest need? Why not today, like the Ethiopian official, recognize that your greatest need is actually for salvation? That actually to live forever with God in heaven And that salvation only comes through faith in Jesus Christ himself. Jesus said it in John 14. He said, very famous verse. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, as humans, we we kind of tend to to think that we get to heaven through being good. And that's probably what the Ethiopian official himself thought. He probably thought, actually, look at me, I'm great. I've traveled five months to go and worship God. God must be pleased with me for doing that. I'd imagine that was certainly in his thinking somewhere. And we tend to think as humans that actually being good will be enough to get us into heaven. It'll be enough for us to be win favor with God. But the truth is, heaven isn't full of good people. Heaven is full of forgiven people. And there's a big difference there. It's full of forgiven people. If you've never done this, then today you can put your faith in Jesus Christ, just like George was telling us that he's done. That's open to us all. It's open to all of mankind to suddenly realize our greatest need isn't popularity, wealth, fame, happiness. Those things come and go and they're temporary. Our greatest need is to be restored back to relationship with our Heavenly Father. 
And if you already call yourself a Christian here this morning, if you're someone who's had that life-changing moment, a bit like the Ethiopian official, then your greatest need, our greatest need, is still Jesus. At times, we as Christians allow other needs to overtake that in our life, don't we? We so easily suddenly think, yeah, I have, I found Jesus, I know him, I've been restored into a relationship, I've had that life-changing moment, and now I'm just going to kind of keep him on the back burner while I then pursue some of these other things in my life. It's great, I've got him there, and you're kind of there, you're in my top five, Jesus, you know, sometimes you might make it into the top three or two, but other times number five. But actually, the Bible talks about salvation as being something that's past, present, and future. It's something we are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. So the goal for us as Christians, as we've had that life-changing moment, is not just to say, great, I've ticked that box. It's to have a life now that goes deeper and deeper with Jesus. It's never about how far can I drift away from him, but still kind of keep connected. It's actually about how close can I live to him. And that's actually there where we find the joy, the peace, the comfort that only he can bring. It doesn't make life easy, but it makes it easier because he's in our life. There's a big difference. So let me just finish with just the final question. Do you want to change your life? Do you want, like that Ethiopian, to have life-changing moments when suddenly the light goes on and you realize something different? Well, my encouragement to us all today is to invest in something that will last forever, and that is Jesus. That's what that Ethiopian found his life was changed in a moment. Our lives can be changed in a moment today. If you haven't found Jesus, you can today. And for those of us who do know him, why don't we just come again with a fresh sense of Jesus, I want to follow you wholeheartedly and I want to invest my life in everything for you. Let's just pray and then we're going to, um, if Dan and Josh want to come back, then we're going to finish with a song together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great plan of salvation. We thank you that it didn't involve us having to be good. It didn't involve us having to work really hard to achieve, um, you know, uh, approval before you. I thank you that your plan of salvation involved you sending your son, that Jesus, you came for us. What an incredible truth that really is, is that we could not achieve it at all, but you achieved it on our behalf. And our, and our role now is to throw ourselves at your feet and to put our faith in you. Lord, we pray this morning that you would come and just uh, help us again, empower us again to follow you wholeheartedly, to, to invest in things that won't, sort of, that this earth is just temporary, but to invest in something of eternal value. And Lord, we pray for your light bulb moments in our lives. We pray for more lives to be changed by the good news of Jesus. Pray that in your name. Amen.